about to experience an unpleasant truth. America must choose to build a future or obsess about the past to be a nation of fear, division, and of darkness. Use your aggressive feeling. Embrace anger, chaos, and truth, but in the shadow of lies. Let the hate flow through you. Together we can choose a different path. Together, we can rule the galaxy. Our nation of fear, division, and of darkness. Break me down with all of your hatred, and your journey towards the dark side will be complete. Embrace anger, thrive on chaos, but in the shadow of lies. So this is how liberty dies, with thunderous applause. Across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea. Three hours of bold truth, excellence, and optimism for America. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Well, welcome, my friends, to hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. If you are new, hour number three, my goodness, gravy. Try that again. <laughs> if you're new to the show, uh, it's very basic. I come to you every day uh, as the mom that I am. And I, you know, I'm a former journalist. I worked for many, many years in television news. And then the business changed. And we bounced over to radio and we found this beautiful spot where we have time to be who we are. And the knives have come out. I've been fired multiple times for merely sharing what I believe is common sense. And if I'm one of the victims of cancel culture, I wear that proudly because we need to expose what's going on in this country. And I represent a threat to the narrative. So be it. We're delighted to have you. Welcome here. I think we have to have an honest conversation about what's really going on with Lloyd Austin. I don't think any of us has a clue. I mean, I'm not connected. I don't have friends in the beltway. I have nobody on speed dial. I'm not going to sit here like Sean Hannity and call in all these big wigs and have them come on the show and tell us what's going on. To be honest with you, I trust no one. And so now we're hearing, and Newsmax has been reporting, as have we, that it seems like Lloyd Austin, whatever he had as a diagnosis, we've been told it's been prostate cancer, and that he had the elective surgery, the prostatectomy, prostatectomy, I guess it's called that, that apparently there was something that went sideways because the dude had to go back in. And he's been allegedly at Walter Reed Army Medical Hospital for a long time. And all of this transpired, of course, right around the holidays when Joe Biden checked out and went on one vacation after another. And it makes me sick to say I feel no confidence whatsoever in Lloyd Austin's anything. The reason for him, quote unquote, needing surgery, if he ever did, or why he's got an over overlong convalescence. I sure as hell don't expect John Kirby, one of the White, White House spokespeople, to tell us the truth. So over the weekend, uh, Margaret Brennan from CBS she is sitting down with John Kirby and she's like, you know, this, this is kind of weird. Margaret Brennan says, this is kind of weird. 
You know, this is a big deal. You're supposed to have the, the leader of the military for the United States of America, your defense secretary, who's in charge during all these wars. And now you want to spark more wars in more places. And you don't have a line of communication between Joe Biden, the commander in chief, ostensibly, and this guy, the head of the military. What's going on with so many wars and so many things happening? How is it possible that these two guys aren't communicating and that Joe Biden had no idea Lloyd Austin had cancer or had surgery? Listen. Does the president talk to him on a daily basis? Because I think one of the things that surprised a lot of people, knowing what a tinderbox the Middle East is, Europe is, and the concern about China, was how infrequently there was direct contact between the White House and the defense secretary for that entire period of time at the end of December through January. Well, she's absolutely right. How can there be such a gap of communication when we have so many wars that we're not only funding that we're keeping alive through Congress. So we decide we're going to do a little digging. Here we go. All right. Biden spent this past weekend at Camp David. I'm sure he was working really hard. On December 23rd, he left for vacation at Camp David. He was at Camp David for the 24th, the 25th, and returned from vacation at Camp David on December 26th. The next day, He left for the Virgin Islands, where he vacationed the 27th through New Year's Day, coming back to D.C. on January 2nd. Then, on January 3rd and the 4th, he did nothing, had no events, did nothing. The 5th, gave an angry speech at Valley Forge, left for vacation after that, went to Delaware, where he spent the next three days, came back on the 8th to give an angry speech in South Carolina, went to a funeral, in Texas, went back to the White House, then did nothing January 9th through the 11th. On the 12th, he shuffled into a couple Pennsylvania businesses, went back to the White House, and then on the 13th, which was Friday, or was that Saturday, he left for vacation at Camp David where he was yesterday. Does that sound like somebody who's in touch with anybody, let alone his defense secretary? Of course not. Dude is AWOL. They, they know that he can't do anything. Now they've got to keep him out of the limelight. So here's, here's John Kirby's answer to that. And, and this is Margaret Brennan's question again. These guys are, are very important. we got a lot going on in the world, and these two are not communicating. He did not know, Joe Biden did not know, that, that his defense secretary was going to have surgery. Are you, are you out of your mind? Here's John Kirby's answer. There's routine, regular communications between the president and the secretary of defense, as well as well the secretary of state. How did he Uh, not know? And and normally, like, for instance, the some of the strikes we took on Christmas Day, Christmas night, and then a few days later were pre-approved. Secretary Austin was part of that discussion. He was part of the discussion from his hospital room when we took these strikes against these Houthi sites uh, just a couple of nights ago. I mean, he's actively involved and engaged. Uh, And I think it's important for people to remember that the cabinet officials don't have to sit and talk every single day to make every decision. A lot of the work that gets done in national security is done at the staff level. The staff level deciding to launch retaliatory airstrikes against the Houthis in Yemen. Okay, so that's perfect. That's who we... John Kirby, did you hear what you just said? 
Because if the president didn't know that Lloyd Austin had cancer and that Lloyd Austin was having surgery for cancer and that Lloyd Austin went home after said surgery from cancer, had some bad problems, had to be readmitted to the hospital for those complications from surgery. You don't know either that he's been involved in this chatter from his hospital bed. That is a that is a woefully inadequate answer. And Margaret Brennan knows it, and she's saying it now. But Joe Biden didn't know. Audio soundbite number three. Right, but there is a chain of command here. Of course there And the commander-in-chief didn't know that his defense secretary was this ill. And that's a problem. And the president has spoken to that. That, that is not the way it's supposed to be. It's certainly uh, something we need to get more answers to. And the Pentagon's investigating this, and, and uh, we'll see what comes mm. out of that. But that, that is not the way the process is supposed to work. You that know right. what? If they can investigate it more quickly than they did the pipe bomber stuff going on at... Uh, Outside the RNC and the DNC, maybe they could they could find out what happened with that, because apparently the greatest forensic experts in the world in America couldn't track that one down. I mean, we know it said some kitchen timer on it, so I'm sure it was super legit. Or maybe we could uh, while they're doing this and trying to figure out what's going on, why Joe Biden doesn't know what the hell is going on with Lloyd Austin. Maybe they could get over to the Supreme Court and figure out who leaked the Dobbs decision. And, um, you know, after that's done. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> maybe they could go over to the White House. It's a short walk. And they could uh, figure out what happened with that baggie of Coke. Whose is it? I, we have no idea. I'm just, it's such a mystery. <laughs> right? And Margaret Brennan smells the pile of steaming excrement and decides to walk around it while directing John Kirby to it. Listen. Everyone is hoping he pulls through this battle with cancer uh, healthy and strong. But why is he still in the hospital? If he's able to work, why does he still need to be at Walter Reed? Well, again, I'm not I'm not his physician, so I want to be careful. But my understanding is that his, his, he's following his doctor's orders and in consultation with their views in terms of what kind of additional care he needs. Um, and we'll, we'll see you know, when he can get released. But obviously, they still feel like he, he may need some additional care. Did you hear Margaret Brennan say, we hope he pulls through? And then she backtracked and said, and comes out of this, you know, 100% and it's all good. We hope he, we hope he pulls through. Well, considering we don't have a White House that's honest with us about the cognitive, cognitive decline of the guy in charge of everything, do you believe for a minute what John Kirby, well, I'm not his doctor, but clearly they want to see him for a little bit while longer. While this is going on, there's been this remarkable rebound in cognitive ability and linguistic function for Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman, who was also at Walter Reed for a while getting treated for that punishing and crippling depression, who seems to have come out of that beautifully and all of a sudden now can quite eloquently express common sense ideas that are antithetical to the beat bullcrap that the Democrats are trying to push. Is this weird? Are we living in some dreamscape or am I the only one who's who's experiencing all of this? Yeah, that's what I thought. So the bottom line with Lloyd Austin, we know nothing. You're supposed to ask nothing. Be done with it. John Kirby wants us to be. Huh. We know the border crisis when we come back. Definitely hurting Democrats. So how do you spin it? Well, you've got to bring out J.B. Pritzker one more time. He's the gift that keeps on giving today. I know. I'm going to play it for you. Listen to the suck. 
from his mouth next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. So CBSNews.com, Americans increasingly see the border as a crisis. Wasn't that like so three years ago? Uh, Aren't you so tired of this predictable two years later, three years later? Oh, you know, that thing that we told you about the social distancing, that six feet thing. Yeah. I mean, I just got to make that came out of nowhere. That was based on nothing, said Anthony Fauci. Oh, three years later. Thanks. I'd like to throat punch him. I know it sounds violent. I'm not a violent person, but by golly, if I was in an elevator with that guy, it'd be tempting. He'd probably have bodyguards and I'd be paying for it. So this new poll says Americans are increasingly concerned about the situation at the U.S.-Mexico border. No, duh. And the percentage who think that the Biden administration should be tougher. (sighs) Build the dang wall. Of course, you know that you can't because then the gravy train ends the same way that Ukraine can't say okay to Russia's ceasefire. Okay. Because then the money stops. Right? The same way we have to keep beating the drum about transgender nonsense. Oh, it's life-affirming, gender-affirming care. No, each youngster who decides to have top or bottom surgery is like $1.2 million. It's money. Isn't that disgusting? It's money. President Biden's approval on handling the U.S.-Mexico border as a consequence of all this has now dropped His approval on handling immigration in general is also at an all-time low, though it has not dragged down his overall approval rating, says CBS News. I guess when you're in the uh, basement, is there a cellar? And what's below the basement? Is there like a, a fallout shelter? Is that where he can go with his ratings? I don't know. So here's the poll. Immigrants crossing at the border. The Biden administration in September... 55% of people said should be tougher. Now it's 63%. I don't know how it's not 100%. Honestly, I do not know how it is not 100%. This question, the situation at the U.S.-Mexico border is 45% say a crisis. 30% say very serious. 18% say eh, somewhat serious. 7% all named Pelosi. Not much of a problem. Well, let's listen to to J.B. Pritzker and Jonathan Carl from ABC News. The gift that keeps on giving today on this MLK holiday. This border thing, it's kind of serious. New polls are telling us that. You need polls to tell you it's serious? Look around. Are people showing up where you live who clearly aren't from there? They are where I live. Go. What One issue that is clearly hurting Democrats is the situation at the border. Uh, a recent CBS poll found that 68% disapprove of the president's handling. Whatever you think of that, there's clearly a problem at the border. I know you have advocated for stronger action from the federal government on dealing with this crisis. Uh, how How does the president address this going forward? He's the klutz who said, come on in. He's the poster child of come on all. We're a sanctuary state. How dare you say that you don't like it now? Oh, it's kind of cold where we are. Maybe these people shouldn't be coming to the upper Middle West. Whatever, you know what I mean. 
This is this is J.B. Pritzker's response to that question. You know, polls are telling us it's kind of a bad thing. He's going to blame Governor Abbott and Republicans. Well, if they weren't shipping people all over the place and being so awful. No, if the door was closed, these conversations don't begin. If the door was closed, we wouldn't be in this position. Listen, go. Uh, cities out here that are the target of this political game that Governor Abbott is playing oh boy. Uh, are suffering. And uh, here in Illinois, it's minus 29 degrees uh, outside with the wind chill. Uh, we have migrants that arrive from Texas virtually every day, uh, hundreds, and uh, we don't have places to put them. We don't have enough shelter space here. There are plenty of other cities where, you know, if he's going to send people, <laughs> Go they somewhere could be else. Sent, but no, he's choosing only Democratic states, Democratic cities. And when we've asked him to stop sending people because of the weather, because of the dangerous nature of this uh, winter uh, storm that oh. we're experiencing now, he's refused to stop sending so them. Bad. So he does not care about people. He doesn't care about the the uh, migrants. He doesn't care about the the fact that uh, they're going to suffer if they're sent to certainly the upper Midwest, as he is doing now. Oh, it's just so terrible. It's so cold. It's like we could have seen this coming. You know, JB, you and all the other Democrats out there who want to point fingers and get all twisted out of shape, that a massive humanity is being bussed or flown to your individual zip codes. You did this. You asked for this. You heralded this. You championed this. One could probably argue that you're benefiting from this. So do us a favor and save your oxygen. Because pointing fingers at Greg Abbott, whose state has been trampled by what, 7, 8, 10, 11 million human beings isn't really all the con that concerned with your optics. This is on you, bro, and you alone. All right, when we come back on the Wendy Bell Radio program, my friends, I want to talk about this. You still think it's not all about control, right? Have you heard what Ford wants to do with its new cars? <laughs> oh, my. I got it for you on deck next on the Wendy Bell Radio program. Do you have experience in your life with a parent or a grandparent when you had to have that conversation with them that it was time for them to give up their keys, that they weren't safe driving anymore? It is a... It's that moment in the cycle of your life where you come back around, you've, you've stopped growing and you've started stagnating and now you start needing help like you did when you were a newborn, right? And your freedom, it's the freedom. That's what, that's what the, the car manufacturing business was, right? It was about this opportunity to get into a ride and go to go where you wanted to go, to get away from something, to go see a new land, to be alone, to visit friends, do what you wanted to do. And when you can't drive, or you don't have a car, or you're not safe, and we could talk endlessly with Brock about this because he's had epileptic seizures, and he's had to forfeit his license, and you don't play with that. 
to be at the mercy of other people, to lose your ability to do something in an instant. It's really hard. And it's really hard for somebody who's older because they know, unlike Brock, who after X number of months without a seizure gets his license back from the state and will feel safe to get back into a car. When you're a senior citizen and somebody you love comes to you and says it's time, you know you're never going to slide behind the wheel again. And if you're like I am and you like stick shifts, which they don't make anymore because God forbid we should be, be in charge of our own drive. That's a freedom that hurts to lose. I want you to hear this story. It's a little brief, like 35 second give and go between two regional news anchors. I don't know where they are. I don't care. But they're talking about this idea from the Ford Motor Company. And it's not new. This has been out there since about March of last year. Ford wanting to do something to kind of create this technology, to patent this technology so that this world of autonomous cars, which I also think is super sketch, take you, the person in the driver's seat, out of the equation. That's, I don't like that, right? To allow a car to self-repossess. So if you're short on your payments, because the economy is terrible, even though they try to tell you it's really, really good, you can't make your car payment. That your car, if it's a Ford, and it's equipped with this technology, like a homing device, shuts you out, shuts you down, and just drives back to the base. But before you get there, if you're a little delinquent, it can shut off your air conditioning. It can play really loud, obnoxious music to try to pressure you into making a pay. I mean, this is freaky and scary as nuts. So we're going to begin the story with these two news anchors like <laughs> over this. I'd be like, what? Wait, what? Ford wants to do what? Listen to this. Car payment on time. Ford in the process of a patent application for self-driving cars to drive away from their owners. After a series of missed payments, Ford's proposal will force the car to drive itself to a <laughs> repossession agency. Having the car drive away would be a last resort. The patent application shows Ford would first pressure delinquent owners by disabling some of the car's features like the air conditioning or having the audio system play unpleasant sounds. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> Do you guys, what, honest to goodness, those idiots give TV news anchors a bad name. <laughs> and being an aforementioned one, I find that offensive. See, the, we got super weirded out when they came up with the thermostat. And I think this was popularized in the once former great state of Colorado, which has now been flushed down the toilet because of Democrats. They, they thought it was a great idea. Well, we're going to, these new homes, we're going to change the rules a little bit, right? So you 
have to upgrade your system or you're going to build or a new home, whatever. We're going to equip it with this new thermostat system. It's super cool. I mean, it's connected to this central nervous system database that the government controls. But it's all going to save you money. It's going to save you time. It's good for the earth. It's going to help. Blah, blah, blah. We're not going to have your carbon footprint, whatever that bull crap is. Or we're going to take 7 billion cubic metric tons of blah, 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 and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Get the hell off my thermostat. Because what happens next? This isn't like a crazy pie in the sky thing. I'm not connecting dots that don't exist. So if I go out on my social media and I say, I like Donald Trump. Somebody who's in charge of the government and also working at Twitter or Facebook or whoever sees that. And is like, well, she's got one of our thermostats. Let's crank it up a little bit. Roast you in your home, freeze you. You know, you're thinking that's so dumb. That would never happen. Really? Ford wants to do this? In fact, this website, theverge.com, and I'll find it very dubious if this is a conservative leaning site. I don't know. Freely, I don't know. But I want to read you this because this has been this has been kicked around. This is in the works, friends. Ford's self-repossessing car. Self-repossessing car patent is a nightmare of the connected car future. They don't want us to drive self-driving or or automatic autonomous cars so that we're safer on the road. They want to put somebody else in charge of your freedom. Why do you think they want to welcome people who have uh, seizure disorders, who have, uh, you know, disabilities, mental disabilities and other personality issues? They want to welcome them into the aviation industry. Perfect. That's who I want in any capacity handling my flight. They want to keep you in a 15 minute city lockdown, no wheels, no escape. No creature comforts, no nothing, and they want you to be happy about it. Ford's patent application outlines a future where autonomous cars drive themselves to the impound lot if their owners are delinquent on their car loans. If you think all the changes coming to the auto industry will be good for you, think again. I agree 100%. The electric and digital transformation of the car industry comes with a lot of promises for a better tomorrow. Electric vehicles would dramatically reduce carbon emissions in the transportation sector. Connected cars will give us access to services and features we don't currently enjoy. Over-the-air software updates could eliminate high repair costs. And automated vehicles may make driving significantly safer. These are all of the reasons that these people like Jennifer Granholm and other people who are awful people would go out there and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is perfect. This is what we need to do. Uh, kind of worth remembering that at the end of the day, car companies are just out to make a buck, right? Not make the world a better place. They don't give a rip about your safety. They care about your money. Vladimir Zelensky doesn't care about innocent civilians getting killed. He doesn't care about the extermination of an entire generation of young men in Ukraine killed in a war that didn't have to happen, that could have stopped before it started, but Joe Biden refused to allow that to happen. Go figure that out. Research it. You'll find out I'm telling you the truth. It's all about money. All about the Benjamins. So, and this was from March of 2022, and this is coming back into the fray. Ford applying for a patent on a system that would use connected car technology to better aid 
in vehicle repossession. Take your ability to go anywhere. And this isn't your kids coming to you in the nursing home and saying, you know what? We don't think you should be able to drive on the weekends, Graham or, or mom. Give us the keys. This is somebody else deciding what should happen to your car. And it's going to be wrapped under the guise of your ability to pay. But that's not what it is. Please. These changes they're, they're deciding to make include sending messages to the owner's smartphone or the vehicle itself, locking drivers out of the ride entirely, disabling functions like the air conditioning to sweat you out, to the geofencing drivers to only operate within a certain time. <laughs> geofencing you? This is like your parents putting a tracker on your cell phone. And in one especially harrowing example, enabling an, an autonomous car to just drive itself to an impound lot or to a junkyard if the car's market value is determined to be below a certain threshold. Somebody at Ford put an awful lot of thought into this. The patent document apparently describes dozens of ways to remotely and electronically revolutionize the entire repossession process, including liaising, have you ever said that word ever? No. Liaising directly with lending institutions and police. Oh my gosh, what could go wrong? Currently, the process is a lot more low-tech, but it's still infamously predatory and lacking in oversights. And in states like California and New York, repossession can occur if an owner is even a few weeks behind on payments. And creditors aren't even required to notify drivers before it happens. You thought the boot on the car was the bummer, right? Ah, I've got to pay. i got to go somewhere. Your car getting towed or whatever. How about your car just screw you? And driving off with or without you. See, in crazy times, the people who push these want you to believe it's it's for the it's for the greater good. Just wear a mask. It's it's for the greater good. Just stay home. It's 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 for everybody's benefit. Just make sure your kids get vaccinated. It's it's truly they don't want to kill their grandparents. It's for the commonality of us. Don't be selfish. Do what we say. It's almost like you can see through it. Of course, because sadly, we trust nobody. And isn't that a shame? That is the world in which we live, where you can believe nothing that these clowns tell you. And that's by design. You know, Fannie Willis wants you to give her a break, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I know. She hired her married lover, right? And she paid him taxpayer dollars, 650000 bucks, to help her prosecute Donald Trump. But you should not hold her responsible for these things, don't you know? Why do you suppose? <laughs> you already know. I've got it for you. It's so dumb. And you have to hear it from her mouth. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. There's this dirty little game out there that's really distasteful. And it's really distasteful for the minorities it is supposed to protect. We live in a country where Democrats try to tell us 
that black people, brown people, women can't get ahead, can't achieve, can't be wildly successful unless we give them some help. We're going to fudge the rules. We're going to make sure enough people who fit a certain demographic are accepted or have this. uh, It's so wholly demeaning. It is degrading. It is dismissive. It is embarrassing. I wouldn't want to be black or Hispanic and to be hired into a position or be accepted somewhere for school or what have you and find out that I have not even close to the qualifications uh, of the other people around me. Or to feel as though people who I'm now in the same environment with look at me and think I only got in because I look a certain way or check a box. The whole system, psychologically wrong. It's wrong. The meritocracy has worked. It is what we should have. Because then when those people have a hard time, a woman could say, well, I got fired because My boss is a misogynist. Maybe you got fired because you're not a good worker. Fannie Willis can be dark and corrupt and yucky, and she can be caught doing things that are illegal and questionable, right? At best, or at the least, I should say. And she could say, well, I'm black. And so anybody who, who criticizes me is obviously a racist. That's a gross game. And it's long ago worn out its welcome. Because it's not the story of this country. It's the story of people who suck, but that's not who we are. So when this came out, Fulton County DA Fannie Willis defends her office during an MLK Day church service. Nothing like talking about yourself in memoriam of Martin Luther King Jr. So here's Fannie Willis. She's going to be at this church. It's the oldest black church in Atlanta. And instead of using the moment in the spotlight with the microphone to to talk about the great accomplishments of black Americans or or any number of things we could talk about, she uses it to make excuses for why she sucks. And the reason why she says she sucks is because no black woman is perfect and we shouldn't be held to that to that standard. Say what? Ew. If I were in that congregation, I'd be like, what you talking about? How dare you? You take responsibility for when you do things that are wrong. And you paying $650,000 to a married dude who then used the money who was supposed to help you with the prosecution of Donald Trump on sending you, taking you on lavish trips and having an extramarital affair with you. Blech. Just admit you're gross. So this is what she said in front of this congregation celebrating the life and the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr., but not really making excuses for why she's terrible. Go. All the glory I receive, it's his grace. Not a perfect me. We are at a time in history, people. Hear me on this. We are at a time in history when you can no longer sit back and just let other folks do it. Oh boy. You cannot expect black women to be perfect and save the world. What? The Lord is completing us. 
We are not perfect. We need your prayers. We need to be allowed to stumble. We need grace. Oh my. With that kind grace. of support, we will move mountains and do Jesus' will. Mm. Stumbling all the way. So his flawed, hard-headed, and imperfect child has a message for each of you today. Please find a way to do your extraordinary, God-given assignment and make this community and the world a better place for all of his people. Wow. See, it is never about who you are. Oh my. It is always about the great I am and who he is. And by the way, we'll be passing the collection plate to my defense. Pass it along. Dig deep, everybody. Is that gross? Where's the lightning bolt coming from the heavens and being like, Ew, you're so gross. I shouldn't have given 650000 of your taxpayer dollars to some guy I was having sex with who was married, who ended up taking me on that money that came from your pockets, everybody. I know. Praise Jesus. To Napa County to sample wines. And then to the Caribbean so we could cruise multiple times. I know I am but a flawed, flawed member of his flock. Praise the Lord. No, see, you're gross. And hopefully the people who are in that congregation with you, Ms. Willis, will find out that you are none of the things that you allege you are. Now you are flawed. You are that because we all are but how dare you use that as a defense don't come after me for being dirty because i'll say you're a racist martin luther king jr would not be pleased with that thanks for joining us ladies and gentlemen you're tuned into the wendy bell radio network we hope you come back tomorrow for more until then peace